0: and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. Hopefully we've got all of our technical issues behind us and we can plough on with the rest of the season, including reviewing game week 12. My name is Chris Hopkins and I'm joined by a man who's always at the wheel, Sandy Case. Andy, finally, a a guy you once made me actually, I think, genuinely cry laughing. I've never heard heard a song set to a I don't even know what the actual song's called, but, you know, the Barcelona, Barcelona back in 19... You know that one? Yeah, yeah. When all these old caused an injury time. First time you ever sung that to me. I think I think you may have had one or two lager shandies when that when that come out, but genuinely cried laughing when I, when I first heard that. But obviously, a guy, a guy that's brought you so much joy over the years, finally departs Man United uh, in, a, in a managerial capacity. And I'm guessing, and I'm sure all of our listeners are also guessing, that you're not all that sad.
1: Well, look. I mean, it. The f- I've got the first thing I've got to say is that Ole Gunnar Solshar is a beautiful human being. I love that man. I love the goal he scored in '99, and he will forever have a place in my heart. Um, he he makes me happy when skies are grey, as as the chant goes. And and yeah, United fans do have one or two. Uh, yeah, they're 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 clever. They're they're funny. A lot a lot of the chants I'd have, and that Barcelona one is 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 a particularly good one as well. But um, no, I mean, ultimately, yeah, I I wasn't one of those people who who have been sort of all out for for years, like many United fans, or months even, like many United fans. I mean, I think it's in it's in recent weeks where we've been in such disarray I mean, been in been in such disarray that 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 I've that I've kind of yeah felt he's. It's it's just it was just become untenable, basically. And I think the reason I haven't been in previous seasons is because he has been like the squad has been developing. Performances have been getting slightly better, um, albeit that we would still chuck in a stinker. And, you know, all throughout last season, I was saying I didn't trust United's defence. But ultimately, you can't buy 11 new players each summer. And Oli has bought, you know, he's improved the first team. Every every single window he's had, I don't think I don't think that can, that's undeniable, um, and we we really were going into this season. I was even still saying that we we need an out and out defensive midfielder to kind of complete the set almost. Um, but uh, and, and I would I would argue we are still missing that, and we probably would be better for one. But ultimately, you know, we should that doesn't excuse the performances in recent times and they haven't been good enough. And we, we, we have, uh, even in previous seasons looked tactically indisciplined and, and like, we, like, we don't know what we're doing under Ollie. And so I think, you know, I, I said, I said to, um, I said to my partner when when she was asking me how she I think she was treading carefully concerned about how unhappy I might be at, at the at the 4-1 scoreline uh, when she when she saw that's what it was to to a team like Watford um you know all due respect to to them but I think what I said to her was look had it been 2-1 or had we come back and got a draw or something as has happened numerous times this season as well um he might have ended up staying and actually I think at this point it's just the best thing for him to go. I mean, the timing. I would say the timing's good. I mean, it's not great because it would have been better to have happened possibly a couple of weeks ago when we might have had a bit more space and time to do something about it. But um, no, um, I, I'm glad. I'm glad that we're recording the podcast now on Monday when I've had a chance to breathe because on Saturday it might have been a much angrier uh, rant about particularly the board, um, but but possibly Solskjaer But no, I'm I ultimately I lo- I love the
0: guy and sad. So, happy and sad to see him go. I guess sometimes, uh, yeah, you, you can st- you can still love you can still love someone, but they maybe, maybe they're just not quite right for you. And I think that was definitely the case with Solskjaer. And yeah, just another one in in the long line of managerial changes in in, in the Premier League. And I think obviously, as we've said, um, you know about Tottenham's uh, you know uh, when when Nuno departed Tottenham, and you know a few other managerial changes recently. I think in terms of FPL, it's going to be really interesting to see. What impact a new manager, a new interim, or I guess permanent manager has at Man United? Because obviously, compared to some of the other teams of you know uh, who uh, we've spoken about recently in terms of sort of FPL assets, United have considerably greater ones than uh, than you know your Norwiches and your Aston Villas and your Newcastle's. So yeah, I think there is plenty. Plenty still to come uh, from Man United this year, definitely in terms of the Premier League and FPL. But let's crack on uh, with reviewing game week 12, which obviously was a disaster for Man United. But we'll start by reviewing our players on the radar and then we'll have a look at a top differential and a blankety blank. We will be reviewing our swimming against the tide as best we can, uh, and then we'll finish with captaincy and a look ahead to unlucky for some game week 13. Let's start with those players on the radar, Andy. And uh, I mean, uh, similarly to Man United, you know, we didn't have the greatest game week here. I think in terms of uh, in, in terms of players on the radar, a few a, a few good ones, but let's start with a pretty big dud, and that's well, not that's not just us, but uh, Tottenham Hotspur, and I think that. Getting Son into teams, getting Kane into teams was, uh, you know, it wasn't just us talking about that, but ultimately Tottenham's still not looking that great going forward. And when you're investing, you know, over 10 million in Son, over 12 million in Kane, uh, and they've got fairly favorable fixtures, a fixture against Leeds this weekend, uh, you'd be looking for a little bit more, wouldn't you? Yeah, no, I think
1: there'll be a lot of managers out there disappointed i mean i'm surprised their ownership wasn't wasn't that high i mean not not because i expect everyone listens to the FPR lounge and uh got them in their teams because we suggested so but um just because i think it felt like a fairly kind of with their run they've got coming up a fairly kind of straightforward move for managers this week and um at son only around about 20 percent kane around about 10 percent obviously still decent ownerships but not you know as we've seen them and others have in other years. So, but, but nonetheless, those who do own them, yeah, will, will, will be disappointed. I mean, obviously they were fairly advanced, um, so, you know, is the minimum you'd expect when you, when you're picking them to play in those positions, but at least they weren't, you know, there was points last season where Kane was dropping a bit deeper and stuff and he was playing as like a focal kind of number nine um, that, you know, they're still working it out under Conte. Uh, he, he is obviously his hilarious self directing play from from the sideline there. And so, you know, I don't think he'll accept kind of low, low um, standards of performance from 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 the players. And, um, yeah, I guess it's just one of those where, um, I, I, you know, I bought one of them in. I'm not, obviously, it's not ideal that they didn't return. But, I, I you know, looking at the fixtures ahead, I'm thinking, well, hopefully there's uh you know that it's just a settling in period and then and there might be kind of more to come from them I suppose that's the that's the word though isn't it it's hope more so than this hasn't given us any kind of proof or evidence
0: yeah I think that I think that is the case And yeah you know after um after I guess the performance against Everton before the international break post international break albeit obviously Son and Kane away on international duty you kind of hope that Conte will have at least maybe stamped a bit more of an attacking system in um or possibly you know um or at least, uh, at least, managed to sort of imprint a little bit more in terms of in terms of the attack, and that didn't really look to be the case against Leeds. And yeah, I guess you know, when it's uh, you know your left back will be a left wing back, and Pierre and Emil Hoiberg that are scoring the goals, and not yeah the ever reliable. Sure, they're not going to score every game, but you did. I think just the general performance we wanted probably to see a little bit more from Spurs going forward. It was a pretty abject first half. I'm sure you know they seemed to turn it around a little bit in the second half, but yeah, still. um Still sort of, you know, yeah, I guess it's not a wait and see because with the fixtures, you would definitely be advocating to get them both in, in, in your team. But yeah, not great from Spurs. And I guess, you know, you do really want to see returns in the next few while they do have a good fixture around before it gets a little bit tougher. And um, I guess on the flip side, Andy, uh, Serge Reggion was another player that we were looking at uh, to potentially get in at 5 million with his increasingly advanced role. Uh, down Tottenham's left side, um, you know, seems to be at the minute, potentially as good an option, possibly um, as, as as some of the real premium defenders, you know, the, the Chelsea ones and, and Trent, and maybe even Giao Cancelo. Now, I guess the uh, I guess the, the the difference with them is that at the minute Tottenham still also under Conte don't look as good for a clean sheet as perhaps we would have hoped, but but in terms of Regan's attacking output, um, it's probably up there with uh, with, with the best, really
1: yeah he's he's really he was really advanced again which is an encouraging sign it's extra as he was in in the first game um under conte so it's it's a, it's an encouraging sign that that is kind of a deliberate tactic obviously conte is known for using his win backs and for asking them to sort of push on and get forward and, and yeah um, region was advanced and, and actually much more advanced than emerson royal on on the other side so um yeah, posit- positive signs. Hope again, like we said about Spurs and Son and Kane's attacking output. Hopefully, you know it's a settling in period and, and more defensive returns to come for for Reguon as as that team kind of kind of gets settled. Um, yeah, the, the three at the back might help with that. The fact you know the, the fact that they you know the the kind of flip side from them not looking too creative was that they do have sort of two fairly defensive minded midfielders in there which offers a little bit more protection and uh, whilst you know Leeds had a lot of the first half and looked pretty good that you know they were, they they created one sort of big chance Leeds and then the rest was was nothing really they weren't really having sort of fantastic Opportunity. So, so whilst Leeds, you know, Tottenham, it, like you say, it was an abject performance, and Leeds had a lot of the ball. They didn't really create that many like out and out chances against Spurs. So, yeah, with with the run they've got coming up, even still after this Leeds match, uh, Burnley, Brentford, Norwich, as as we've been kind of highlighting, um, there, there's hopefully opportunity for, for for kind of Conte to help them find their defensive stability there.
0: Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I guess if, if they can get that, then reguion becomes probably one of the Know, like I say, up there with, with Chilwells, your Jameses, your Cancellos, and maybe even your Trents in terms of your potential output, um, although his underlying numbers have never been quite up uh, up, up with those guys. Uh, let's have a quick quick word on Diego Jota. I think he's probably a player that you know we can probably take off the radar going forward. Um, he just seems to be such a good option. And obviously, you know, Liverpool... Tore Arsenal apart again. Uh, you know, Arsenal played pretty well for I think it was the, for the first kind of half an hour, um, but as soon as uh, Klopp and Arteta had had some handbags on the sidelines, Liverpool really kind of took hold of the game. And and yeah, Diego Jota's goal that he took, um, albeit uh, was it you know, was a pr- pretty much a gift from Nuno Tavares. He did, took it take it so well, uh, but just kind of serves as a reminder, Andy, that while. A midfielder or a midfielder in FPL starting up front for one of the best teams in the league at seven and a half million. It doesn't really get much more simple than that in terms of taking advantage of it and hopefully, um you know, possibly getting getting more returns in, in weeks coming weeks upcoming due to Firmino's injury and Liverpool continuing to be a pretty good side.
1: Well, it's, yeah, exactly that. He was playing through the middle. He had shots in the box. He had obviously a really good opportunity and a, and a goal from it. So yeah, I mean, seven and a half million. You can't. Can't ask much
0: more than that. Still got some pretty good fixtures coming up as well, so yeah, definitely want to want to think about in in, in the next year. I think it's Southampton, Everton, and Wolves in the next three. You know, not, not the easiest, but not the most difficult for a team of Liverpool's capabilities. Either, um, I thought it was interesting, Andy, as well. Just as an aside, that Minamino came off the bench and did score a goal. It wasn't an absolute tap in, but I think with Salah and Mane going off to the African Cup of Nations, could be one, could be one to think about. Having said that, you know, Salah and Mane were head and shoulders above most players on the pitch against Arsenal. Um, let's talk about a few three alls, Andy. Not too many game weeks in in the, in the Premier League where we get two three three draws, but let's start with one. Especially as one of them we tipped up from a defensive point of view, and that's a. Uh, Guaita, and I guess some other Crystal Palace defenders. I mean, um, Palace have been ranked second best in the league for expected goals against, um, but then come up against the Burnley side, who who got three past them. Pretty unexpected. um, But the goals themselves, Andy, probably had quite a low XG. But I guess Palace may be looking a little bit more open. We want to see them correct that before we start investing in defensive assets.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, it, 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 it's, it's one of those where you look at the score and you think, well, that could have been, um, you know, a, a better shout from us. And, and maybe it maybe means it wasn't the right one. But on the other side, and maybe this is just trying to defend it a little bit. Where, where if you actually look at the three goals individually, yeah, um, a, a deflection, essentially an own goal. An absolutely outrageous volley from from Corne, which by the way I think you know it's not the first time we've seen that and he's playing outright up front in a four four two. I think we briefly mentioned him when Burnley had a better fixture run um, a couple of games ago or so but I mean yeah I, I don't know about his underlying numbers so much but he's got to be someone people are thinking about at the moment but this is just he's classified as a midfielder and there's so many midfield options that that's kind of the problem but anyway an aside um, and, and yeah so that ridiculous volley um, an own goal and then yeah, obviously a Burnley, Burnley special, one of the best teams in the league on set pieces. Which again, you know, trying to defend a goalkeeper by saying well they're letting a set piece to Burnley, maybe you'd argue shouldn't just shouldn't. But um, obviously Burnley are, are are good at those. So so all three, there's perhaps justifications for. I guess is what we're saying. And and yeah, there might be. There might be opportunities, um, you know, up, upcoming, particularly with with that with that run that we that, that we mentioned for Palace, albeit that we were hoping Burnley was 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 including that, and it's, it's Villa and Leeds next, who maybe that you know after good performances this week, it's not looking quite so straightforward.
0: Yeah, and then obviously Man United as well, who will presumably have a new manager in by then. So yeah, we'll have to have to wait and see. I think you know P- Palace seemingly have conceded quite a few goals from set pieces. Uh, this year, I'm not sure if that's just a bit of a youthful defense, not you know, making some, some perhaps naive mistakes or getting bullied to the ball, but, but yeah, and, you know, slightly concerning. But I think that possibly does contribute to their higher um, expected goal or better expected goals against number versus their actual goals conceded. And, and yeah, I think uh, you know, set pieces and, and headers often don't rate uh, quite as highly in terms of XG, so so that could be something something to think about going forward. But yeah, um, an unexpected 3-0, but but entertainment all the same. And yeah, we'll be interested to have a chat with you later in the week about where, if at all, we can fit Maxwell Cornet into our our radar. Uh, The other 3-3 obviously played out between Newcastle and Brentford. I guess these are two teams we probably more traditionally associate with a three-all draw, um, but Callum Wilson was the guy that we were that we were you know, sort of tipping up from an attacking point of view. I mean, reunited under Eddie Howe, Newcastle having good fixtures going going forward, and ultimately Wilson did everything we thought he would, apart from get a return.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, it, it was it was all the speculation about how and what he might bring to Newcastle. Yeah, absolutely realized it was it was. Yeah, just, just amazing, really, the, how attacking they were. It was over 20, something like 23 or 24 shots in this game for Newcastle, which Brentford are notoriously a relatively open side and Newcastle were at home. But still, you know, um, exactly what you'd hope for from, a, from an Eddie Howe side. And Wilson was, was at the heart of it. Six shots, five shots in the box. Obviously had a um, had a fantastic chance, um, kind of a scrappy from a corner, which which ended up sort of getting cleared off the line by, by Ivan Tony. I don't know why he was doing back there, but yeah. Um, so he, you know, he's, he's he's through the middle. He was very very advanced. His his average position was miles miles up the pitch, well into uh, Brentford's half. So. All looking good, um, albeit a, a a slight mention uh, for for Alanson Maxman as well in in that in that respect. In that um, he was well up there with Wilson as well. It looked very much like a four four two. It was possibly lined up as like a four two three one, or maybe even like a five at the back. But certainly on the average positions, it looked like a, a pretty much a four four two. And um, so yes, yeah, so a Maxman uh, is is obviously about half a mil cheaper than. Than Wilson on the game he had actually more shots than Wilson in this game he actually had seven shots and obviously got his got his goal and is, is an exceptional player so Wilson very much still on the radar but I wonder if that might have to be uh joined by his little French friend in the future yeah
0: yeah I think uh, you know, Sir Maxman was a guy that you know I really liked last year when he kind of burst onto the scene sort of second half midway through the season and I think um, I think his sort of reclassification of from a midfielder to a forward kinda of put me off a little bit this year. And obviously just you can never really trust Newcastle anyway. Um but going forward, yeah, it could be a really interesting one. And I think the wrinkle that he has is a little bit cheaper, um, is, is is super interesting and maybe does boost him up a little bit. I would still probably Feel a bit more confident going forward in general with Callum Wilson. Just think we've got a bit more. He seems to be a bit more of a reliable finisher, more consistently, and obviously penalties helps him too. Um, but yeah, Alanson Maximan definitely more of a kind of lively player, and definitely one one that's more likely to to, to catch the eye. And he definitely did definitely did against Brentford at the weekend. Um, let's round off Andy with uh, finally just. Sort of round off the cheap defenders chat. Obviously, we spoke about Tariq Mitchell and Mark, uh, Mark, where he at uh, Crystal Palace. Um, obviously, where he ended up with, with a goal. Tyreek Mitchell, um, obviously, ended up conceding being part of a defense at least that conceded three. I mean, I know he hasn't got them the greatest underlying numbers going forward, but I think he has got forward a lot more than sort of Palace's other fullbacks. So, I wonder if he is still possibly. An option if uh, if Palace can tighten up their defence, but you saw something a bit more from Ben Davis at uh, 4.4 million, uh, a little that's a little bit more than just another start, I guess if he's getting forward a little bit too and providing some left-hand side support for Spurs, then maybe he's he, he's possibly one of the sort of cheaper plays that we can go for going forward in defence. Well, Ben Davis
1: has played at left back in his career plenty, and the, uh, I think that's a huge plus for Tottenham because when they're on the ball, he can basically split out as a left back because on so far forward, and that means that then Ben Davis has ended up getting a little bit forward as so well. He was he was quite advanced yeah. compared, you know, on average compared to those other centre backs, and ended up with actually Spurs' most advanced biggest xg chance of the game um kind of following up a, 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 a an opportunity well in the sort of box c- towards the six yard box so um yeah that that was that was kind of encouraging to see we, we sort of thought that might happen that the fact that Reggion was dr- pulled so far forward might end up dragging davis with him a little bit and giving him a bit more space and license to work with there so um yeah um pr- promising and and if any kind of like we mentioned with Regan, sort of defensive stability comes as well and they do get themselves organized then um then, then fantastic. But just, just on on Mitchell, I'd think I'd say, who uh, was one of those other sort of cheaper ones we we mentioned in that group. But I think he has to sort of one and truly come off radar from from that point of view now. Like, yes, we hope Palace will continue to be good, but actually he created very little in in this game. Considering that Palace scored three goals, he wasn't even close to being involved in any of them. And actually looking back on it, you know, we have got to put our hands up and say he's barely created anything all season, which is strange. I mean, he last year he was on people's radars because of his price. Um, he was only four, started at four point zero in the in the game, but he was still creating stuff and he was getting assists. Maybe that's because he was playing right back and he's and he's naturally right footed, whereas he's playing like left back this season. I don't know if that has any influence. Palace fans might be able to tell us, but um, yeah, at, at this stage, I think he's probably not the one of that cheap defender group I'd be looking at.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, but yeah, ben, obviously, we've we've spoken about sort of you know, Livramento so far. This year, and obviously Ben Davis now being one that's under four and a half, that so looks like he could be could be a decent play going forward. But but yeah, I mean I, I think in general, and obviously you know, managers are likely to be investing more money in their defence anyway. Maybe you don't need as many cheap defensive enablers and, and maybe you know looking at them i guess up front and like i say i'm sure we might end up talking about some max and maybe a few others as well later in the podcast um that could be could be the way to go to uh, enable us to spend more in our defense and uh, yeah you know i've seen many screenshots on fpl twitter this weekend with double digit hauls across the back four um and then hardly any returns uh whether you're playing five across the midfield or or, or or four or you know therefore two or Three up front, very few returns from those attacking players, which uh, feels very kind of anti-FPL. Other than obviously uh, all of the seventy percent of, uh, of managers' that own salary. Well, yeah, quite. It's, it's it's
1: weird. These trends seem to
0: seem to happen, don't they? I mean,
1: I guess we have been saying like for a lot of the season that, that there doesn't seem to be sort of many many striker options, and um, I wonder if with. I mean, the thing is, you can't account for tactical trends, right? But I do wonder if FPL might try to sort of do something about it and. Find a different way of reclassifying sort of wing backs because uh, you know everyone's just ending. I mean, my, I think I started four right backs. You know, call me Gareth Southgate, but I think I started four right backs this this game week um, as as my back four, and it's because they're sort of you know more so wing backs really. So yeah, interesting one.
0: Yeah, I guess you know if you look at average position and things like that, you know they are going to be more advanced than some midfielders, so they are almost for all intents and purposes midfielders now. And it's the same with, you know, Salah and Mane are for all intents and purposes strikers too. But you know, yeah, PL seems to be slightly behind the times on that. But uh, yeah, I wonder if there's some kind of historical reason that they want to keep keep everyone the same, apart from obviously Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, who they love to swap positions basically every season. I mean, it, it's it's on that which I wonder why. Um, I wonder why we might.
1: As another Newcastle wanderer out there, might be looking at Matt Ritchie at some point as well. I mean, he's not someone. If he was a midfielder, you'd probably be considering. But he's at the moment. Uh, the, I th- the reason I was, I guess, I th- I'm pretty sure it probably was supposed to be a five at the back for Newcastle. But it, you know, from the average positions, it looks like it could have been only a four because. Um a similar thing was happening with Newcastle as, as was happening with Spurs in that Richie's so far forward, you know, uh, he's the he's the next service forward after St. Maxman and, and Wilson. Um that Kieran Clark was getting pulled out to what looked like a left back kind of position. Um and and Richie, yeah, got an assist in this game and, and was, was obviously sort of bombing on there and and I mean, 4.9. He, he'd wanting be wanting some clean sheets, certainly, that we don't think we're going to get from an Eddie Howe Newcastle. But even still, you know, if that attacking threat does kind of continue, there might be a run for Newcastle in the future if they, if they're coming if, if one comes up where he might just start, you know, making his way onto radar for, even for a short period. And so yeah, it's it, it's quite the phenomenon, and it really does. Well, it, it'll probably it definitely brings in players that we might not have otherwise thought of. But it, I imagine it must be. I mean, for years we've been saying like those central midfielders, particularly the sort of more defensive ones, kind of undervalued in the game, aren't they? And you do wonder if there'll ever be any switch to kind of try and rectify things, yeah?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, Matt Ritchie's underlying numbers, even under Bruce, were, were were pretty good. You know, not quite Trent Cancello levels, but not far away. I think he was definitely one of the you know one, one of the defenders with the best sort of expected goals goal involvement beyond you know the the premium defenders in the game Um, but yeah like you say I think for well I think it was 5 million if you say he's had a drop 4.9 you're going to be expecting some clean sheets and you know definitely not under Bruce but probably not under Howe. we'll be getting getting many of them from him from him either Uh, let's leave it there Andy let's have a quick break and when when we will return we will be doing our blankety blank and our top difference
1: welcome to the fpl lounge our preview show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods that way you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team if you can rate or review us too that would be great as we're really keen to know what people think thanks for joining us in the fpl lounge
0: Welcome back. Then, so blankety blank high owned player that uh, that that has ended up blanking in this game week. And then, Andy, once again, it was the same three really that we're picking from. Arguably a fourth one could have uh, could have got the uh, could have got the unfortunate award this week. But we have tried to mix up a little bit, and we're going to go with Syed Ben Rama this week. Two points, twenty eight point two percent ownership, six point three million. I think he's had some price drops actually. I think he might have even crept up to six and a half at one point. So he's definitely being being sold and that's ultimately down to one return in seven game weeks and therefore I guess Andy his uh, you know, his crown so to speak this week isn't so much down to him blanking game week 12 but just continually really disappointing owners over quite a long period now well there's any so much we can talk about
1: Antonio and Vardy in this section right so that you know we, we've got to, we've got to highlight someone else here and, and and ultimately yeah whilst those two have been disappointing Ben Rama has one return in the past seven game weeks um and he's owned by like almost a third of managers so yeah he is relatively cheap but ultimately if that many people own him and are continuing to be disappointed by him you know like i say six blanks in the last seven game weeks then i mean the, the sanction's called blankety blank and he's blanked in six or seven so yeah full he can't have any complaints i'm sure he's a listener of the fpl lounge and he can't have any complaints because he's blanked six times in last seven game weeks so um yeah I, I guess another thing that adds into it here and we've mentioned this before we on antonio and vardy but particularly but ultimately you have to have some forwards right and they are ones that we know score goals so whilst they have been on not as great runs recently there's a bit of their hoping that it will kind of it will turn around. Whereas with Ben Rama, you are wasting a spot you could be using on another of which there are many lucrative midfielders. So that I think adds into this for me as well. You who th- there's an argument not many options to replace Antonio and Vardy with. Whereas it's more painful for you Ben Rama blanking when you could have another. Um, you know there are multiple options around his price that you that you could choose to have instead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's the, that's the key really for, for me. You know, although I find uh, Antonio's member, uh, ownership quite baffling, um, I guess it is who do you replace him with? That you know being being a big conundrum. And I think there are plenty more candidates to replace Asai side even at his lower price point there are for Antonio at 8.2, 8.2 mil, and obviously like you might not be selling Antonio for eight point two mil. You probably selling him for a little bit less, depending on when you bought him. Uh, same for Vardy. Or, 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 yeah, you know you, you might be making some money back, but you probably have got to use a few transfers to to put that put those funds into other positions. An interesting one, Andy, that I guess we could have could have given uh, the award to this this week is Ruben Diaz. He obviously didn't start for Man City, £6 million, 24% ownership. He's had a pretty stable ownership, I think, all year. And I think he was a player that we were quite surprised at being one of City's most owned players at the start of the year, because he has basically zero attacking potential. And Gio Cancelo was a very, we just at least started the season at a very similar price. Um, however, I guess his, uh, he, he felt the most nailed City player, arguably, other than Edison, but definitely their most nailed defender. But if he's getting dropped... In the Premier League, maybe that's not as true as it once was. And I guess performances from Laporte and Stones might even mean that he's at some risk going forward as well.
1: Well, I mean, if Laporte's performance is anything to go by, no, I don't think so. Um, because he got booked and made a bit of a clangor again after having come back from just getting sent off uh, recently, just coming back from suspension as well. So, I mean, I can't think there's any anything in, in uh, Pep's mind that makes him think that Laporte should start over Diaz. If the game's important but the point here is is that it was looks like it's a rotation because of psg in in midweek and so i i think diaz is still probably you know the most trusted center back at man city for for pep but the the problem here is is that champions league and other things are gonna cause rotation potentially so even though the fact he's the most trusted doesn't save him from pep brulette and um at uh, 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 that higher ownership and price, you know, six mil, you want someone who's who's pretty much starting all, all, all the time. I think the Cancelo kind of comparison last year, what well, he was getting rotated a lot more than Diaz and that's what led so many people to to pump for Diaz. It was it was kind of the everyone probably most people acknowledged that Cancelo was the kind of exciting high upside pick, but there was a lot of people that chose Diaz over Cancelo because they thought, well, I'd rather take the consistent potential clean sheets over the you know clean sheet and maybe an assist every other week but that that isn't how it's turning out so I think I think he could have been a very strong candidate this week I think you know zero points isn't acceptable from someone who's costing you six million
0: yeah I think uh, I think don't quote me on this but I think Diaz was a bit cheaper as well last year I think he started at 5.5 or something like that so yeah I mean you've got even even more reason to go for him Based on his consistency, and as you say, Cancelo seems to seems to be. I I think Pep even kind of said in his press conference this week he's playing kind of so well he's almost undroppable at the minute. Obviously, it also helps that he can play both right and left back. Um, whereas, whereas I guess Inchenko and Walker are definitely kind of more attached to one side. So yeah, I guess Cancelo's also uh, benefited from uh, Benjamin Mendy's uh, misdemeanors. So so yeah, I guess he's kind of you know, as nailed as, as he'll ever be. Um, but yeah, kind of maybe do worry about burnout. And obviously there is a, there is a busy Christmas schedule coming up. So yeah, I'm sure he won't play every single game or play every single minute. But definitely has uh, has the, the right balance at the minute between sort of upside um, and and sort of guaranteed guaranteed minutes. Moving on to a top differential is a player that basically plays almost every game, is almost rotation proof, I guess has been rotated a bit by Jurgen Klopp in the past, but at the minute he's in also such unbelievable form. And that's Sadio Mane, not the highest points total of the players that we could mention uh, this week, Andy, but 12 points, 4.4%, 11.9 million pounds is a, is a lot of money. Um, but there's been talk, uh, you know, on this podcast and potentially on future pods, Andy, about investing in premium assets, Son and Kane, and possibly when United's run changes, going back to Bruno or Cristiano Ronaldo, but are any of them at any point going to be more reliable than Sadio Mane?
1: No, almost definitely not. I think we've mentioned a few times, we even tipped up the double up at one point on the radar of, of him and Salah, but we've mentioned a fair bit that his underlying numbers have been incredible all season. And to be honest, his underlying numbers are almost always incredible, but he doesn't always get the returns in the same way Salah does, whereas this year he has been doing. Um, he obviously got more points than Salah again this week, Um, and I just cannot believe that someone whose numbers have been so consistent and whose returns, you know, both his underlying and actual numbers have been so consistent, is still so low-owned, but then on the other hand, I can understand it because obviously you can only have three Liverpool players and a large majority of people, I imagine, have got probably both Salah and Trent at this point because they're two obviously both outstanding FPL assets as well. And so that only leaves you one more Liverpool spot. And are you going to spend, like, he's he's ultimately like 11.9 million. It's a lot to have invested in one team. So, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, though, particularly if Firmino comes back and Jota becomes less less of an option, um, is there a way I can, I can make it work because he is
0: just so reliable. Well, I guess that would that was kind of our thinking perhaps earlier in the season is that like Trent seemed like a must own, Salah seemed like and is definitely now a must own, and therefore Jota feels like so much better value than Manet, and therefore Manet can't you can't have four, so you just have to leave one of them out and I guess that that does contribute to it is whether you think at this point that Manet's, um you know, underlying numbers and upside and just actual physical returns are better than than Diego Jota's if you are going to have three Liverpool players. Um, I, it does feel like his sort of upside and, and definitely his returns are better than Sons and are better than, you know, other premium assets. But are they better than a guy that's seven and a half million and playing through the middle? And I guess that's kind of the conundrum. Well, I mean, yeah,
1: that 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 is the conundrum. I mean, ultimately, if, if you offered me Jota at 7.5 million with eight points or Mane at like 12 million with 12 points, well, you know, in points per million terms, there's actually not a lot in it and arguably Jota slightly better in, in, in that respect. So, you know, as long as you invest that remaining money wisely elsewhere, then it, it kind of helps, doesn't it? But, but then having said that, when I reflect back to, and, you know, I don't drop this very often, so you know don't don't accuse me of of just trying to shoehorn this in for the sake of it because that that yeah andy
0: all right mate we know know you've got 100 in your drama (laughs) gc we know know it happens
1: oh the depressing thing is there'll be there'll be so many people listening to this who will be laughing at that reference and that's like a sad indictment on how far that that has spread but anyway what i was gonna say was uh where um a couple of seasons ago when i finished in the top five thousand, um that I, there were points that a lot of that was because of, um, because of Sadio Mane I, I got him in along, a and I didn't, I think it was maybe once I brought him in instead of Salah, but for, but other, most of the other times when I brought him in during that season, he was alongside, um, alongside Salah, and, um, particularly on the last day of the season was a massive differential for me and sort of shot me up into that, into that top 5k. So, um, I mean, I can't remember exactly the, 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 the context then that I think they must, one or both must have been slightly cheaper than they are now um but but yeah i mean ultimately it, it it helped me then so um you know at his the the point here that we're highlighting a top differential he is only 4.4 percent owned and he, he could make a massive difference to your rank up points if he continues to be to be as reliable as
0: this yeah absolutely i think he's uh, he's definitely a guy that, that i'll be thinking about going forward i think especially with a bit of money in the bank and two free transfers as i missed the deadline this week Um, Honourable mention, Andy. I guess one of these we definitely probably won't be talking about going forward and that's Tyrone Mings, 15.6 and a half percent owned £4.9 million for a centre-back that doesn't really do a lot and actually does have a bit of a clanger in them for a team that doesn't keep any clean sheets, feels a bit steep, but obviously this weekend did keep a clean sheet, did score, probably got three bonus points out of it and uh, that's always going to be you know, when centre-backs score and keep a clean sheet they're probably almost always going to be in, a, be in our top differential conversation yet we'll, we'll never ever put them on the radar
1: yeah we do often ignore them don't we because if they're regular contributors in an attacking sense then they're probably on our radar and or and or high owned, so therefore not going to be top differentials whereas that when they do end up in this section it's because they don't really contribute going forward that often and, and yeah it's a bit more of a fluke having said that Mings has always been decent in the air from set pieces and what I thought was interesting in a in a in a press conference obviously after our preview show was a quote from Steven Gerrard saying one thing one key thing he'd noticed about Aston Villa was how they conceded far too many chances and it was one of the things he was going to focus on um, uh, improving um, he wanted to see them tighten up and, and and concede far fewer opportunities and you know they seem to sort of do that uh, uh, obviously they, they, they kept a clean sheet and it's and it's only one game here but Brighton are a relatively creative side and obviously you know that they, they have kept a clean sheet against them in in, in this game so um, if they can kind of you know make the most of that going forward uh, you know, can continue that. Um, it was it was 0.53 xg uh, that they, they limited Brighton to. So so you know that that is a legitimately earned clean sheet. And if 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 they can sort of yeah f- find something under Gerard that 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 gives them a bit of steeliness there, I don't know. May, maybe Aston Villa kept a few clean sheets last year, and there, and there was multiple times when Villa Villa defenders were were on the radar. So you never know.
0: Yeah, I see what you mean there. I think even even if that is the case, we'll probably end up looking at Matty Cash and Matt Target before we start looking at Tyrone Mings. However, but um, and yeah, I think even last year when they were keeping some clean sheets, that seemed to be from the heroics of Emi Martinez than, than anything that they were perhaps doing organisationally. But yeah, definitely want to want to watch from a clean sheet point of view. Anyway, two players that might possibly be coming into our thoughts as kind of cheap um, cheap enabler strikers and and or forwards and uh, you know it's rare that we find any forwards that are worth talking about in FPL this season, um, but Dennis at Watford and Benteke at Palace, 14 points and 12 points respectively this week. Dennis, not barely a differential really at 9.4% owned, but that's I guess, I think, Andy, basically because he scored on the first day of the season, um, got a double-digit haul and then went into everyone's teams because he was worth 5 million, 5 million at the time, had a couple of price rises since then, but did look pretty, pretty lively against Man United, albeit um, at Man United in disarray. And then Benteke's taken, I think he's got four goals now in his last five five appearances, uh, I guess with, with Eze coming back from injury and obviously they signed Eduard in the summer presumably to play through the middle, who's been shoved out wide in Eze's absence, is whether Benteke keeps up his, keeps his place. But um, his uh, his returns recently, at least, have been giving sort of Patrick Vieira some, well, no reason to drop him, which uh, you can't always say from throughout Christian Benteke's career.
1: Yeah exactly obviously had that long run of of not scoring and but but no he he's going to get lots of chances created for him if he if he does play um and there obviously there aren't many sort of decent striker options as we've as we said this season so so it'll be it'll be starts really he, he's had plenty of starts he started more games than he hasn't so far this season i mean uh Zahar played through the middle um, it seemed at least against against uh, City, but you could see how that's maybe a tactical thing to try and hit them on the break and you're not going to do that with Benteke so much. So, yeah, I mean what one, one, one to keep an eye on he you know he's obviously he has scored goals in the in the premier league in the in in the past although that is becoming a lot further in the past as 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 the years go on and yet yeah, you never know if if he if he establishes himself as as that first choice then 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 there will be plenty of chances uh like you mentioned with Eze coming back and others but behind him there on 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 um on Dennis yeah he, he's interesting because of his price. I think, like, like you said, I don't think there's loads you can take out of this game, but ultimately, you know, he has had um, double-digit returns in other fixtures this season as well as just this one. So, um, although, uh, yeah, another one of those was another defensive capitulation from, albeit from Everton on on that occasion. So, um, yeah, I I'd, I I don't think I'll be sort of rushing to get him, but if because it just looks a little bit erratic the, the fact that he's kind of you know not not had great underlying numbers um to go alongside those 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 returns but yeah ultimately his price if if it allows you to invest money elsewhere and he does continue sort of you know getting the goal every every now and again then then again also maybe for him
0: yeah i guess this isn't uh this isn't you know the radar conversation but i think you you know we were looking at this earlier and you said you know he's got five assists this year off sort of 0.6 expected assists which um, obviously shows that yeah okay he might be creating but obviously creating other bad opportunities so you know giving someone the ball 30 yards out and letting them do the rest or um, or you know, the, ch- the chance he is creating a, 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 a yeah, end up yeah end up sort of having outstanding finishes um, off the back of them um, but at the same time you know we've spent a lot of time sort of talking about Huang and Broger this year and maybe even a few other sort of less than 6 million forwards, and, and this guy seems to be, I guess, in terms of sheer returns, outperforming them all. So, yeah, I think a little bit more, um I don't want to say study, because I don't think I'm going to be studying Watford, but you know, let's see how they get through the next couple of games, which are pretty difficult. I think Leicester, Chelsea, City in the next three, Um, let's see how they get through get through those, and, and, and if Dennis continues to play, ultimately, under Ranieri, if, they, if there is any tangible improvement under him, and it's not just Man United absolutely falling apart. Um, but yeah, you know, kind of if 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 Watford are going to are going to make any sort of fist of staying up, that they are going to need him to keep providing goals and assists going forward in some of the games that should be a bit more winnable for them. Let's move on to reviewing our swimming against the tide, Andy. This was Sanchez being the most transferred out uh, player in the game, despite only being suspended for one match and obviously him being a goalkeeper felt a little bit of a head scratcher for us. I guess it's a little bit difficult to judge because he um, ultimately did miss the game. He blanks this week, um, but any replacement keepers that that manager's brought in for a very similar price were unlikely to have had much joy either.
1: Yeah, obviously we did say it's a bit depends on who you've got on your bench. And like, so for me, steel came in, got two points more than happy. And particularly when you compare with, obviously it would have been, you know, he, Conceded late, I wasn't happy at the time. It would have been great to get the clean sheet, obviously, but he he made a couple of decent saves, which they highlighted uh, on on match of the day. So um, you know, I'm sure he's got a mate there in the production team or something, because that's only going to help him, uh, it, you know, to maybe get off the bench and start for a team one day. But um, he did he did all right ultimately, and and Brighton are 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 obviously decent defensively, um, overall. So that helps him with what he's got in front of him. And yeah, you can only really judge this properly, I suppose, based on that. Who who did you have on the bench? And also so how these other keepers do do in, in in the long term but ultimately yeah to use a transfer yeah obviously Guaita 3 points Ramsdale 1 point McCarthy was probably the surprising one at Norwich only getting 1 point um and yeah uh, Fernandez the, the 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 Brentford keeper who's in for Raya at the moment um also only 3 points so yeah um it, that that certainly wouldn't be enough to get me to, even with Sanchez on zero that wouldn't be enough to get me to use um Use one transfer for so, um, yeah, it's uh, it's t- to me still still didn't didn't make sense if you if you were getting rid of him but uh, yeah I guess I guess if Guaita pulls out like three clean sheets in a row and Sanchez
0: doesn't then then maybe there's not even
1: there but let's see. Yeah, I think
0: that's fair. I mean, I had Foster on my bench and I was absolutely gutted that uh, Van der Beek ruined that surefire clean sheet. Um, let's move on to captaincy. Uh, Salah remains to be the most obvious captaincy pick in in fantasy. Goal again, but I think Andy once again not the highest uh, highest returning Liverpool player. I mean, you've put on our on our pod production sheet Mane though. So go on, Andy. I mean, we kind of have already spoken about him in, in top dif- top differential, but I mean for Mane owners those. of FPL managers at the minute, or maybe that will creep up if he continues to do this. Is there possibly an argument for him going forward saying maybe put the armband on Mane? I know usually when we speak about Liverpool captains, it is Salah slash Mane slash Jota, maybe even slash Trent uh, going forward. Um, I I wonder if Mane could become perhaps the safest differential captain in the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's well, he's undoubtedly every time we say Salah, really, we should say Mane. But he's, I think, he has to. Be. I think this week we were not completely sure about fitness, um, coming off Af- uh, off of um, African qualification for the World Cup. But um, yeah, uh, he he definitely he definitely is going going forward, no doubt. I mean, I, I say Mane though because he he's he, like we said earlier his returns have been fantastic. So it's just to really highlight that again. And uh, But nevertheless, Salah, you know, he got a goal. He looked good, as did Liverpool just overall. And he's just so trustworthy. So, yeah, I mean, it, happy days. I think he's had a few of these, hasn't he? Like non-double-digit returns in recent weeks. But I guess you, it in some ways it feels disappointing that he doesn't go and absolutely haul. But then it's just the consistency. He's so reliable. You can't really complain about it.
0: No, absolutely, absolutely. I guess it's, it's, you know, he's he's going to lose out on on bonus points when I guess um, obviously Mane has has a better returning game, and obviously Liverpool's defenders. I guess Trent probably got three in this game for for getting attacking returns and the clean sheet. So I guess when Liverpool keep a clean sheet, maybe their bonus points are more likely to go to go to um, defenders, which maybe means that Salah doesn't end up with those double digit hauls. I guess so. I guess from a Salah owner point of view, it's arguably better. For for his points total for for Liverpool to win four one or five one than possibly it is it is the other way round but yeah um yeah, his uh, his goal was was a tap in but nicely taken all the same and yeah his influence on the game in general I think is something that we've also pulled out this year and he still does seem to be playing uh, you know probably the best football of his career the rivals for for his his armband possibly in uh, in game week twelve were Kane and Son we've spent uh, enough time Andy probably talking about. Tottenham's lack of excitement going forward on the radar. Um, just going forward, I mean, I'm not sure what their specific fixture is next week. I know it's probably still fairly OK because you know, we were talking about Spurs assets from a fixture's point of view in general. Um, but can we trust them to even sort of appear on in, in the captaincy conversation going forward? Because that's you know, two weeks in a row now where we've mentioned them, having not really mentioned them for a lot of this year, Um, not a lot really going on at the minute. It feels almost tempting just to kind of say, well, we want to see it before we're going to speak about them again. Yeah,
1: possibly. I think it's going to depend week to week on what other fixtures are around. But ultimately, they'll play Burnley in the next game week. And I think it will be tempting. Um, I think with Liverpool being through their Champions League group and, you know, Liverpool having another home game next weekend, Southampton, I think it is at home, we're gonna we're gonna end up saying what we always say. Of how do you avoid Salah Romani? Because the chances are they might well get a rest this midweek. But um, but no, I think ultimately still uh, depending on everything else that's going on, I think United and Chelsea are playing each other next week. So that ties up two two sets of assets potentially. Although arguably you absolutely love uh, your Chelsea players against against United there. But yeah, I think I think if in a week like that where Spurs are playing Burnley, we, they probably will still be mentioned. But It'll, it'll just be that that trust will mean you will look to those other ones that have been returning consistently, morally, yeah.
0: And then we did mention Ronaldo and Bruno. This felt a bit of a, almost a bit of a punt, which feels really weird for for, you know, for two two sort of um, you know, premium assets. But you know, against Watford, we would have thought that, you know, those two possibly could ended up, could have ended up doing something. I guess Ronaldo did get a return uh, with the assist for Van der Beek's, what well, ended up being a consolation goal, really. Um you know, I did. You know, were a bit more creative. I'm going to say that this is probably a bit more down to game state, Andy, than, than anything else. They were, you know, basically behind. Well, arguably, in terms of sort of balance of play, they were behind pretty early on, but definitely behind on the score line from the first 30 minutes, and then two before half time. I guess they were always gonna press more in the second half, but at the same time, um, it feels a, one's kind of put a pin in because United could, United's attacking assets could become. Really reliable fantasy options again if United sort themselves out, and that's all going to be down to the new manager.
1: Well, I mean, even under the current manager, they've been they've been creating chances, even though the performances generally have been have been shambolic. And actually, that again happened
0: in in this game. But we um, haven't really mentioned like Ronaldo or Bruno on the captaincy segment for a long time, besides this week. I mean, maybe that was down to fixtures, possibly. No,
1: with- I, th- I think it's because although they've been creating chances, it had there hadn't been kind of loads of out and out like great chances if you if you see what i mean because um um I, I, and ronaldo had been getting kind of uh, i think cavani sort of been, had been pl- played um before before the international break and stuff as well so you know 12 point whatever million and, and i and i said even in the preview like i wanted to be clear that i wasn't kind of advocating it just because although whilst that had been the case i don't i didn't trust man united to keep doing it just because the performances had been so so bad but um and I guess we were talking pre city liverpool when we were talking about um the chance they were creating right because they were just yeah obviously atrocious in those games but um but no in in this game they created more non penalty xg than watford which is which is crazy and people one might argue that you can't ignore the penalty but even if you don't ignore it you could potentially arguably ignore even more the kind of two uh another americanism garbage time goals they scored at the end when united were down to 10 men and and obviously chucking stuff forward to um and and Watford scored from kind of two 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 long balls so um What's what that's saying is that despite the fact that it was a four-one scoreline, United actually, in terms of xG, had had the kind of had more better chances. Ronaldo had one, um, you know, cancelled off for offside. He, he had another couple of opportunities which he could have done better with. Um, another couple of opportunities which uh, were also offside, but um, right rightly so, which he didn't score from as well. So um, it looks as though. <laughs> If if they can still create chances, okay. Watford not a great not a great defense, and 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 we've seen against City and Liverpool that that you know that they won't always create chances. But if they're playing weaker defenses, even with Oli, even as a shambles and a complete disarray of a team overall, they they've still um, created chances against teams. Atalanta in the Champions League is another example of a team that were tactically much better than United, but ultimately the fact that they had a weak defense meant United got still still got chances against them. So. I think what it's saying is that you probably can put something in Ronaldo at least and or Bruno uh, when United are playing against those 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 weaker defenses. I mean, it's going to depend just how inept the interim manager ends up being. We've mentioned it earlier; Carrick's never even managed an under-12 team, let alone a, a, a professional first team. So um, w- w- we'll have to see how, how how that goes. But it it, it looks possible that even if it's someone as, yeah, disorganised as Ollie was at the end, that, that Ronaldo might still be an option when they get, because I think we're putting so much time into this, not just because of the fact I'm a Man United fan, but we're both kind of eyeing up that run, that because United have had a sort of famously terrible run that we've mentioned a bit in recent weeks or months, but that flips soon, doesn't it? And over Christmas, it's a very, very kind of decent looking one. So, so you know, Ronaldo starts could lead to, to, to opportunities there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I felt like there was a, there was a kind of a, a almost like a Vardy to Kane move, uh, maybe this game week, and then Kane to Ronaldo, perhaps in, in a few. But uh, yeah, it feels feels odd, and uh, I mean, it's, it's 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 difficult to kind of hang your hat on any premium premium assets besides Salah, and that, or besides Salah, and uh, and defenders, of course, and uh, and yeah, I think therefore, oh, it wouldn't surprise me to see more going down down that Mane route going forward. But yeah, definitely interesting to keep an eye on eye on United going forward and uh, yeah I mean I'm assuming they might not have named an interim manager sort of a permanent interim manager for want of a better phrase before Champions League this week so I guess it's going to be Carrick in the Champions League so it'll be interesting to see to see how how United set up there and uh, and yeah I guess you could could send out a big statement and you know, leave a big name out and start Don, Donny van der Beek but yeah I guess uh, I guess that will all remain to be seen Let's leave it there, Andy. Um, I guess in terms of things to look ahead for, ahead of game week 13, a lot of that is going to be based based around Europe, but I guess uh, four European games in, at least for the Champions League teams, not quite sure what the state of the Europa League groups are, but four, you know, four game weeks in for, uh, for, champion, for those in the Champions League means that some are through, some are all but through, some have plenty still to play for, and therefore minutes for FPL assets are definitely going to need to be... On uh, in manager's thoughts uh, before making any transfers or, or decisions after game week 13.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we don't know what will happen for definite. We'd say teams like Liverpool, but it's it a huge difference for them versus like a, a Man United. Right? United need the points. I think. I can't remember exactly, but on the how the maths goes, they could end up there's a there's a there's a route to them potentially even being out if they were to lose and results went against them this game week. Whereas Liverpool have already won their group, they're through and won the group, so you, so you can see you can foresee rotation and rests there for their players, and that and that would impact obviously what might happen um, next next game week in FPL. Uh, you, you're probably not looking at United assets anyway, because I think it's Arsenal next game week. But but still, it, 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 it's something to, to be aware of with City, obviously, as well. They've got they've got PSG. Um, their league game is a little bit more straightforward. I think next game week, is it? Uh, oh, no, it's not. It's West. It's West Ham. So, you know, arguably with the form they've been in. Um, Not the most straightforward for for City, but still, I think they're going to consider PSG a harder game ultimately. And if there's any, you know, Foden did come off after 60 minutes, wasn't 100 percent, went down a couple of times and got a bit of treatment on the pitch. So, you know, you you think he's going to start against PSG. Which might lead to like a rest against West Ham, for example. So, you know, we can't go for every player on every one of those Champions League teams, but that, you know, there's go- there's going to be wrinkles there where you've got to where you've got to consider, you know, if Foden was a Liverpool player, I'd be less worried about his FPL status next weekend because you'd think he's probably getting a rest midweek.
0: Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. I think there's plenty, plenty to keep an eye on uh, through Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think <clears throat> the Europa League as well. Obviously, the pl- many of m- many. Uh, fancy managers uh, own West Ham assets, namely Ben Rama and Antonio. But I think West Ham are still in a pretty strong position in their group. Um, so, yeah, we'll be interested to see if there's any rotation there. West Ham obviously have uh, a less deep squad uh, than, than those teams in the Champions League. So, yeah, plenty to keep an eye on um and i'm not sure how your game week 12 went mine was a very very narrow or very small red arrow but you know you take those you kind of got a tread water a few game weeks um, But if uh, if our listeners want to let us know how they got on how can they get in touch or
1: well, they can find us on twitter or instagram at fpl underscore lounge and yeah we've been a been getting some good responses from people uh, with the kind of pre-deadline polls that we've been doing in recent game weeks. And, um, yeah, our kind of reminders about, about the game week previews, some, some, some good interaction. So fa- thank you to all those who've been, who've been getting in touch with us and yeah, um,
0: do continue to do so. We, uh, we, we love hearing it. Great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously they're the biggest, uh, the biggest transfer of the game week, obviously is you, you moving house, um, so you know, not a free transfer, obviously. Obviously, yeah, you know, there's there's big fee, big fee involved. Uh, you know, anywhere, anytime Andy Case is involved. Um, but 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 yeah, obviously that's gonna that's gonna be quite exciting for you. So I hope, but I hope that does mean that we will we'll be recording our uh, our game week thirteen preview probably on Thursday. We have been trying to get them out a little earlier, but it's probably going to end up being. Thursday evening maybe even Friday morning uh this this week hopefully technical issues will be in the rearview mirror though uh thanks to thanks to some some engineers in uh, in the Essex area for going to sort that out for me uh but Andy uh, all the best with the move have a have a good one and uh, I'll speak to you on uh, on Thursday but until then
1: thanks for joining us in the FPL lounge